before I introduce my good friend Dan Isles, I just want to remind you we've posted out on the two windows the voting, uh, the record, the notice of voting for the interim pastor. If you want to see a brief resume of what he's done in his past, uh, we have that available to you in the office. We have some copies that you can take. So just know that that's there. <coughs> it's my uh, privilege to introduce Dan and Linda Isles. I've known them for probably seven years or something like that, Dan and Linda. Dan is uh, he's a professor at Shasta Bible College, and we had David Nicholas here last week, who's president of, the Bible, of that college. Dan is also the director of our education development for Indigenous Ministries. I happen to be part of that. <laughs> so a total disclaimer, uh, disclaimer there. But uh, Dan and Linda have just returned from India uh, and my heart was with them, but my physical presence wasn't. And so we're glad to have Dan and Linda. Um, they have traveled several, uh, several times or in the foreign mission field, um, both to India and to Egypt. And, uh, and then of course, uh, Dan's responsibility at the uh, Shasta Bible College. Linda is the in the finance office at Shasta Bible College. So we're glad to have them with us and uh, Dan. Thank you so much, Dick. It is wonderful to be here in this church. Dr. Nicholas sends his greetings, and so do the Wilcoxes. Uh, we have heard about this church. Uh, it is loved and prayed for, and uh, I can see why. You're a great group of people. You love the Lord, and it's a wonderful privilege for us to be here with you uh, this morning. I want to bookend my message with a couple of passages of Scripture uh, and take you on a journey around the world as a demonstration of what we're going to talk about. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but its end is the way of death. Whoop, went too far. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. God has a plan in this confusing world. God has a purpose in this confusing world. And God has a place for a people in this confusing and world and in the world to come. And I want you to be encouraged this morning that in this confusing world where there is so much that seems out of, out of sorts and messed up, well, it is. But God is still on the throne. He has a plan a purpose, and a people that he's calling to himself. We just got back from India. We work with Indigenous Ministries International. I've actually been to India about 20 times now, uh, teaching over the last 11 years, and have been to, uh, to Egypt probably four or five times now. 
Uh, we took about a four-year hiatus because it hasn't been safe for them to gather in Egypt and for us to go there and to get back. Uh, but things are better, and we're glad for that. But thinking about what I've just shared with you, uh, let me share with you about the work of Indigenous Ministries International. We seek to reach nationals through nationals. Linda, take it just for a minute. Okay. We work with specific groups of international people, and um, this is the main ways that we do it. We do it with pastoral training conferences, with church planting, Bible colleges. We have one particular Bible college in particular in central India that we'll show you in just a minute. Women's conferences, some child sponsorships, micro-business loans, and some medical ministries. And other things as well, for instance, we're involved with a network of uh, organizations and people that are involved in uh, ransoming young women away from ISIS. And there have been about 165 that have been delivered from the clutches of those guys in this last year, and we've even been a part of that. Uh, there's a lot of pieces. Uh, we work in the Middle East, in India, and in Southeast Asia. And the Middle East is spe specifically in Egypt, in um, Jordan, and in Iraq. There is some relief work going on in Iraq. In India, in very central India, we have a partnership. And Southeast Asia, our partnership is primarily in the Philippines, and in uh, there's some in Indonesia. You might think about why invest in nationals. We're not intending this to take away from expat missionaries, like the wonderful couple who gave their life serving the Lord. We prepare young people to do that, from America to go other places, at Shasta Bible College, and we've sent out hundreds of them over the years that serve the Lord around the world. There's a place for that still, but working with nationals and through nationals is very strategic and important now. Linda, tell us why. Well, nationals already know the local language. They're already experts in the local customs. And uh, once trained, a national will focus on his or her own country. And it takes only a few weeks, not years, for nationals to lead nationals to Christ. And then and begin. And the average stay of an expat missionary is seven to ten years in, in country. And then they're back here. And interesting, I mean, nationals stay in their country. They retire in their country, and they're there for their whole lives. And um, the cost of keeping an, of a um, national to stay in his country is so different than an expat missionary. Actually, for a, an American to go to a foreign country takes an average of $6,000 a month. And that includes because they have uh, travel expenses, you've got um, health insurance, retirement insurance, um, all of your insurances. You also have to pay for the ministry that you're taking care of over there. You probably have office expenses over there. You have people over there you have to pay to keep a ministry going. The average pastor in India that we help support to start a church, $200 a month. In Egypt, it's about $500 a month. Uh, so you can you see there's a stark contrast there uh, in a lot of ways. And frankly, Americans are not welcome in many countries today. That's why we work in less accessible countries where Americans are not welcome. They are not allowed to be missionaries, traditional missionaries. Now, you will hear of people being missionaries in India, but they are not there under a missionary visa. 
India no longer has missionary visas. They are there under business visas. They're there under student visas, learning the language. They're under uh, tourist visas there for short term. But remember, in this world, God has a plan. God has a, pur a purpose. And God has a people that he's calling to himself. In spite of the obstacles, in spite of the challenge, and in spite of the mess that we live in. John and T. D. Cook understand that. Uh, John uh, is the founder and director of Indigenous Ministries International. And uh, Dee is, of course, his sweet wife. Uh, they are doing well. They send their greetings. In fact, they hope to be in your area, I think, sometime in May. Uh, and we have been privileged to know them for a number of years now. Uh, we've been involved with them directly in uh, the work uh, in India and other places for about 11 years. I served as the chairman of the board for several years before Dick, and uh, then came on staff as a director of education. Uh, we work with a ministry called Grace Bible College in the very heart of India, and wonderful things have been happening there. The, the ministry through Grace Bible College is about 12 years old, uh, and it has graduated almost 200 students now, 99% of them, you heard me right, 99% of the graduates of Grace Bible College are serving the Lord full-time as missionaries, pastors to their own people. That does not happen. That does not happen. It's a God thing, and it is very strategic. And they have been involved over these years that they've been in existence in establishing several hundred churches. How can less than 200 people do that? Well, they pastor three and four churches at a time and uh, plant a church and somebody else takes it and they move on. So it's very strategic and multiplies uh, its efforts in all kinds of ways. We have been developing the campus. Uh, we purchased property about 10 years ago and uh, I had the privilege of being involved in negotiations for that as chairman of the board. Just this last year, we were able to build the first building. Uh, you know uh, Dr. Jim Cook, John's dad, and uh, the building is dedicated to uh, John's uh, mother and Jim's wife of many years, Shirley, and uh, it seats about 300 American style and 500 Indian style. That's without the chair sitting down in a way that I can't even do with my legs crossed. They, they don't work that way. Also exciting this last year, Linda, tell them about this. Yes, just since we were, the, um, just in the last few months, last six months, we wanted to put the students on campus. They were living in rented facilities in town, and to build a conventional building was just, the cost was just so prohibitive. Um, John came up with this idea of using shipping containers. So there are two shipping containers butted together, cut out with windows and doors. Keep going, I think there's more. There's actually four of them. They're butted together to make one. Then there's another one across that That's matches that one. And then there's a bathroom there's uh, a section as well. There you go, a better picture of it. And the boys now have um, the two dorms. All the boys are on campus now. And there's a concrete patio between the two dorms. Keep going. And there are 55 students now uh, 
that, and we hope to get it up uh, 100 to 200 students. That's the goal eventually. This is another new building that has been put up this last year. It's a simple pole barn, and because the um, temperature is mild, <laughs> except in the monsoon season when the, w the rains blow through, we're planning on putting up a half wall all the way around, but this pole barn works very well, and it's, and it's so much cheaper than building conventional buildings. So this serves as not only classroom, but also dining hall. The back part there is the kitchen. That's the kitchen. And then adjacent to that, just been constructed is living quarters, that room for uh, the cook and groundskeeper and guard and so forth. This year's student body uh, continues to grow. You notice the roses? The boys, the boys planted the <laughs> rose garden and it's beautiful. It's a big rectangle of beautiful roses. You can see them. The man ne standing next to me there is the brother of the president of the college. He's a retired military officer who is a pastor now, was trained at uh, the Bible College, and is writing very strategic literature for witnessing uh, gospel booklets and tracts that are being distributed. Uh, we put up uh, solar lights. Uh, because the lights go out at a point, the electricity is cut off, but these solar lights, we have three of them positioned on the property, and they keep the leopards away. Uh, there really is a leopard. It's next to a uh, wild uh, game area. Uh, Dick's been there and knows. He says, we've see never seen the leopard, but he's there. And this is night nightly devotions that the guys have out on the patio between the two uh, dorms. This we were there for graduation. Yep. You keep going. There's, There's 14 that graduated. This is the boys' choir. This is the prayer of dedication for those 14 that are going out to serve. This is the next phase of the building project. And this is a this is a key thing. It's really important. It's important for the function of the college. Academically, it's also important for uh, the accreditation of the college. This is a library and classroom complex. Uh, it is. 20 by 60? No, that's not right. It's, to m it's the same size as the dining hall pole barn. That's right. The same size as that pole barn. Upstairs will be uh, the library. We have 15,000 volumes stashed in a garage in Red Bluff awaiting a container to get shipped to India to get put in this building. We broke ground uh, for this uh, building while we were there. Started in faith, we're going to build as the funds come in. We have enough for the footings. Uh, we're looking for eighty-five thousand uh, dollars. So that what means we need a thousand bucks from eighty-five different uh, families or individuals, and anything actually will help. Uh, it was a wonderful exercise. We did a great teaching time this time. Uh, While we were there, this was the took. winter module. Um, and every winter we bring some um, Americans over to, to teach. All college work in India is done in English. So um, when we come to teach, we teach in English. They want us to teach in English because they want to practice their English. And um, interestingly, they have trouble with our American accent. I have trouble with their Indian-British accent. <laughs> but we, we work on it. This man here was on our team this year. He's the... Um, Phil Barrington, he is Northern California's chief scientist for marine biology. 
taught on intelligent design. Uh, it was really cool. This man is an elder in a local church, pastor, former pastor, former school principal, now Christian counselor, uh, fully trained. Uh, his wife is my uh, music pastor in uh, a church that I founded uh, years ago in Northern California. And uh, he came and he taught on counseling. So we talked about biblical counseling. I had the privilege, along with Linda, to talk about uh, inductive Bible study, Bible study methods. I studied that under Dr. Howard Hendricks at Dallas Seminary. Uh, I think he taught 38,000 students, and I was one of them. So I'm one of one of many. And, uh, but uh, We had a ladies' conference, an all-day ladies' conference on Saturday. He taught, Linda taught, and uh, Marilyn Griffith, the wife of that uh, counselor, taught as well. We also had the chance, there we are, can you see our white skin right in the middle? <laughs> we also had the opportunity on the weekends to speak in churches. This is Dan in Alliance Church, and this is the Amaranti Baptist Church, and I had the chance to bring my flannel graph. I'm the flannel graph lady. And uh, flannel graph is very cross-cultural. It still works. <laughs> Had a lot of fun with that. We also were in Egypt this year. Remember, I'm taking you around the world, and we're talking about God's plan, God's purpose, and God's place. Uh, in Egypt, uh, we had a wonderful conference with the team. Uh, and uh, there's the men. We also had floods. It rained in uh, Alexandria. That's where we are. And actually, a number of people were killed in that, uh, in that rain. And the mayor lost his job. Can you believe they hold a politician responsible for his malfeasance in somewhere? Uh, I had a chance to preach in this church again. I've been there a number of times. Uh, last time I preached there, they firebombed the place uh, a day or two afterwards. Nobody was hurt. And the fire was put out, but it's serious business in Egypt. It's tough to be a Christian. The 35, 37 guys that we had there, and each one experienced the loss of people in their church, in their family, had experienced being sequestered in their homes for weeks on end. Uh, things are getting better. Uh, the uh, military takeover was something that needed to take place and really was representative of the will of the people at large by the time everything uh, played out. I'll explain that more to you if you've got questions about it. We ministered to these guys about from the 23rd Psalm, He restoreth my soul. Talk, I talked to them about Jesus as the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd from the various passages. And we had guys come forward and rededicate themselves to the Lord and tell us, my fears are gone. I've given my fears to God. It was very refreshing and rewarding to be with these heroes of the faith. And God is working through them. And people are coming to Christ in spite of uh, all that is happening. And it's very real. We invite you to sign up for our uh, prayer letter and to be a prayer warrior with us. There's a tablet in the back, you know, one of those high-tech things where you put like a yellow pad. We could take, we'll take your name any way we can get it, and uh, we'll enter it for you. But uh, do uh, become part of our prayer team. We'll send you stuff uh, about what's going on that you won't hear uh, other places. I have the privilege of uh, not only ministering overseas, but also ministering 
here at home, and home takes on a special meaning with this uh, group of guys. They're a group of pastors from southwest Louisiana, and I had the chance to uh, do a pastor's conference there with them. I've known some of these men since they were boys and have been a part of them coming to Jesus. The guy standing right next to me, I'm in the blue shirt, and a part of his call to ministry. And he's been in one of those churches for now 20 years as the senior pastor. I'm getting to be an old dude. I can't believe it. But uh, it was great to be with them. also got to go fishing on the river that I learned how to swim in, the Calcasieu River. And this is down uh, just north of Lake Charles. Uh, and those are uh, saltwater barriers uh, between the saltwater and the freshwater from the Gulf of Mexico. Caught some red drum. Now, those guys can get big, my friends. They can get really big. In fact, uh, caught about three or four about that size, but hooked into one that was like this. I mean, he grabbed the line, he took off, and all of a sudden, that big boy turned around, came to the surface, and spit that hook right back at me, and it hit me in the forehead and dropped back in the boat. Now, that's a true story, I promise. I get on tea, as they'd say in South Louisiana. Down there where I grew up, they have people that run for political office. I don't know if you can see this guy's first name, but his first name is Biscuit. His name is Biscuit Smith, and old Biscuit won the election, too. Well, with that craziness in mind, let's remember where we're going. We're going to talk about this confusing, mixed up, messed up world that we live in, and that God has a plan, a purpose, and a place for a people that he's calling to himself. When I was fishing with old Pastor Glenn Duchon, I mean, he's a double-barrel, first-class Cajun, grew up in the Chafalaya Basin with all the crawfish and the crocodile, the, the alligator and the duck and everything. Well, old Pastor uh, Duchon, he turned to me and he said, Hey, Dan, you ever hear the one about Thibodeau and Boudreau? Uh, I said, Yeah, I heard a bunch about them, but tell me another one. So he starts telling me, he said, Let me tell you about Pastor Boudreau. Old Pastor Boudreau, he had the fire of the Lord about him. He doesn't want to go and preach to everybody, so he decided to go to the parish jail. Not the county jail, but the parish jail. This is South Louisiana, folks. They don't have counties, they have parishes. So he went to the parish jail, and he done preached the word of God. And at the end, you know, there's boys that came to Jesus. And at the end of that, he says, is there anybody I can pray for? And one of them boys, his name is Thibodeau. Old Thibodeau said to Pastor Boudreau, uh, Pastor Boudreau, would you pay for my hearing? Pastor Boudreau said, my son, I'd be most happy. I guarantee to pray for your hearing. So he stepped over next to the cell. He put his hand through the, through the bars. He put his hand on old Thibodeau's head, and he prayed for his hearing and asked God to help him. Then he stepped back, took his hands back, and said, Thibodeau, how's your hearing now? Thibodeau says, Pastor Boudreau, my hearing before the judge ain't for three more weeks. <laughs> well, sometimes we're about that confused when we look at this world. But I want to remind you of what? God has a plan. God has a purpose, and God has a people that he's calling to himself for a special place with him and next to him. In Galatians, it says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. God has a plan in the fullness of time. 
that suggests that this God who sent forth his son knows about what's going on in time and has some, not only awareness, but involvement in time, doesn't it? When the fullness of time has come. Now, theologians have debated and discussed what is the fullness of time, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, when there was a relative peace in the world because Rome was there to smack anybody that stepped out of line. Uh, it was the road system. How many of you have traveled in Europe or the Middle East or somewhere and traveled on a Roman road? If you've traveled over there at some time, the pavement in Europe is covering over cobblestones, or maybe you've walked on cobblestones in Italy or Austria or Germany that were part of that Roman Empire. That transportation and communication type, that may have been part of the fullness of some have suggested that maybe it was the fact that the world had tried polytheism, the polytheism of the Egyptians with all of their myriads of gods, the polytheism of the Greeks, the polytheism of uh, the Hindus, the polytheism of uh, the Romans, and was just crying out for something other than these gods who were like deviant children themselves. So when the gospel of Jesus Christ came with the one God and his loving son, that there was a readiness to hear that message. There may be some truth to that, too. You know, as I look at all of it, I think of the words of the wisest person I've ever known, my grandma. And the greatest education I've ever received was in a green swing on a gray porch next to a green vine that had lizards on it. And she would tell me stories and lecture me and, want, and make these statements. And I shared a couple with Dick, uh, even in our visit. But if my grandma were telling me, were, were analyzing this, she would say this. The fullness of time when God is good and ready. And God was good and ready, thank God, to send his son who came in the fullness of time. God has a plan. He works all things after the counsel of his will. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. He works all things after the counsel of his will. God is sovereign. Some things he allows. Yes, he allows even evil. Yet he himself is not evil. Why would a good God allow evil? In order that people could truly love, because to be able to truly love, there has to be choice. For In order for there to be choice, there has to be consequence. And so, in a way, that all fits together. And God allows some things in order that people might make a choice to love him and to know him. Because God doesn't want robots. And he didn't create us to be ants for his entertainment. He created us to be his sons and his daughters and to know him by choice that we made through his grace. God allows some things. God actually causes some things to happen directly, too, in terms of pouring out his blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, Ephesians chapter 1. God pours out his blessing. 
You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God pours out his blessing in time and in eternity because it is his nature and his desire to do so. And in the midst of a world in which God allows some things, God causes some things, God works all things together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Isn't it good to know that God? And if you don't this morning, you can, because he is not holding himself at a distance from you. It is you, if there is any distance that is there, that has created it. And it is you, by choosing to, to love him, as he loves you, based upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that's offered through him to resolve that distance and to become a child of God. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And what is God's purpose? To redeem Verse 5, notice, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. To redeem, to pay the price. Agorazo is the Greek word. Pay what price? Pay the price for sin that a just God must deal with. He can't just sweep it under the carpet or he compromises his righteous character. So someone has to pay for our misdeeds, our wrongdoings, our wrong thinking. And the only one that could was God. Through Jesus Christ, his son sent forth, made of a woman, to redeem, to pay the price. The Son of God came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10, 45. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He, he, Jesus, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation, the satisfaction to God for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Whoa! God has a plan for the whole world? God has a purpose for all people in the world? Yes, and it's related to the fact that he's provided redemption. He's paid the price through Jesus Christ for all sin. Past, present, and future for every generation, for every individual that will ever live, has ever lived. And lives right now. And it includes you. I love what you did at communion and personalizing it. That's cool. Because that's the provision that we celebrated in communion this morning. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The whole world, every individual, their sins have been paid for. Therefore, it is not a sin issue but a son issue. What will you do with him, with Jesus, who has prayed the price, paid the price. God has a plan. God has a purpose. First Timothy chapter two makes an interesting statement in regard to the unlimited nature of the atonement 
of Jesus Christ, the fact that Christ died for all. I encourage you, I exhort, I beseech, that's translated that way at times, that Greek word, parakaleo. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, the giving of thanks be made for only the good people. For all men. And notice who the all men included. For kings, for those that are in authority. Whoa, wait a minute. For kings? Wait a minute. The kings are the ones who are killing the Christians and feeding them to the lions and ripping them off the prison and beating them to a bloody pulp. I'm supposed to pray for them? Yeah, Jesus said pray even for your enemies. And pray for them to what end? That they get what they deserve. No, that's not what it says. For kings, for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will, now notice another one of those all men, who will have all men to be saved. Even kings? Those in authority? Yes. Who will have all men to be saved. Come to the knowledge of the truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for us all. Jesus Christ died for us all. Any place I go on planet Earth, any person I look eyeball to eyeball with, I can tell them with all honesty, God loves you. God loves you so much that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, died on the cross to pay for your sins. And all you need to do is accept what he has done by grace through faith. And God will save you. And he will remove the distance. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God has a place. Wow, what a place he has for That place is in him and with him. What does that tell you? That you might receive the adoption of sons. The Greek word is weos. It means a full-grown, mature son. A son ready to, entitled to, receive the inheritance of the estate, the inheritance of the father. And the sonship that we have, we share with Jesus Christ because Romans chapter 8 says that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Whoa. Who is Jesus? Second person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What kind of heir is he of the Father, heir of everything? What kind of acceptance does he have with the Father? Complete, total. How does God accept you? How does God love you? What place does God have for you? What does he have in store for you? Anything and everything? All that he has for Jesus, that's the love that he loves you with, the love that he loves the son with. That's unbelievable. No, it's very believable. Because he provided the way through Jesus Christ. And the place that we have is in him. 
and with him. Because you're his sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So it's not some just some great doctrinal truth and some uh, sometime in the future, but it's a right now thing that relates to a relationship that God provides for us. Abba, Father. In this old world, I'm called by several names. My dear mama, who is 86, calls me Danny. When I was a bad boy, she called me Danny Clyde. My son calls me Dad. My wife calls me Dan. And when I'm in trouble, some other things. We won't go into that. grandchildren that call me Papa and grandchildren that call me Grandpa. I love to hear all of those. But there's one person in all the world that calls me Daddy. I have one precious daughter. And when she says Daddy, it melts my old heart every time and any because it speaks of the love that she has. And God says, you can call me daddy. That's the idea of Abba. The first words that a little one would speak uh, of her in the dressing of her father, Dada, daddy. And the, the, the place that God has for us is not just about then and there, but it's about here and now because it's about a relationship that's intimate, close. Do you know him? Do you love him? He loves you. I promise you, he loves you. Therefore, you are no longer called slaves. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And then, if a son, an heir through through what he's done for you. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. The way that the world is seeking to know God, the way that the world is seeking to fill the emptiness is by its own human efforts and based upon, based upon our own pride and ego. And the religions of the world are filled with that. But there is a true Do you know him this morning? Have you trusted him as your savior? And are you walking surrendered to him as the absolute Lord of your life? As much as you know, as much as I know, as much as any of us understand what that means. You can. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and open our hearts this morning. Wherever you are in relation to God, I hope it's come softly and tenderly to you that God does love you. You may have been a Christian for many years, but 
there's always a place for renewing our walk with him. Let's say, Daddy, Heavenly Father, I love you because you love me. I want to live my life for you. And perhaps today there's someone here. You're not sure whether you know God in a personal way, whether your sins are forgiven, whether you're bound for heaven. You can be. Because Jesus died for you. If you're not sure today, I'd like to lead us in a prayer and give you the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And again, if you are a Christian, use this as the occasion to pray for anyone that might not be and pray for yourself to say, Lord, I want to serve you. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we believe in you. We believe you love us. We believe you died on the cross to pay for our sins. We believe you were raised from the dead on the third day and that you offer the gift of eternal life. I ask you to be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life. Help me to be the person you would have me to be. Be my Savior. heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Is there anyone that prayed that prayer this morning? Nobody's looking around. If you prayed, just slip your hand up. Say, yes, I prayed that prayer this morning. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Lord Jesus, as believers this morning, we pray that the refreshment and encouragement of your word would bear fruit in our lives as we go forth from this place to share Jesus Christ in a hurting, confused world. Help us, Lord, to live for you, to love you, to serve you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.